Welcome back to Soju Thoughts. On this second episode, we're going to be having a little bit of a rant. So honestly, not not sure where this is going to go, but we're just going to let it all out there and and see see where it takes us. Yeah, uh, Jun was pretty excited for this episode, so yeah, he's going to be taking over this one, most of it,、uh, and I'll try my best to add some insight as well. Yeah. So yeah, let's jump right into it. Okay, so let's let's just let's just start with where it all began.、Uh, it began with a post on Instagram. That was a screenshot of a Twitter page, and maybe I can link this、uh, post in the show notes or something. But I'm just gonna read it out loud here. Can I ask a real question? Why is it that individuals are expected to save three months' expenses plus an emergency fund to survive loss of income, but giant businesses can't seem to survive this? Without billions from the government, yeah. So this post, it seems as though people don't really understand what's going on, and you know, this post is like, sure, you can say your own opinion, and that's fine. Like, you know, you can you can say whatever you like. But what's more problematic, I found, was the comments. Yeah.、Um, because in the comments, it was all just talking about. Well, one individual in particular commented. It's called blaming the individual. It's really quite simple. If you're rich, you stay rich. If you're poor, you stay poor. Then you have a few examples of people who supposedly come from nothing and quote unquote made it as a shining example of what we can all have if you just work hard enough. And if you're not successful, it's because you didn't work hard enough or you didn't save, etc. Now, this I don't know. This seems to me like it, it's indicative of a larger problem within society. It's a larger problem. Yeah. Within other like the general mentality of the population,、mm-hmm. oh, I've increasingly noticed like you know the boomers also always like、uh, make fun of the millennials like oh you think you're so entitled you think you're、uh, you know you're so soft you know, whatever yeah and、um, to some extent like I see that being manifested in comments like this right、uh, because. To me, this just seems like he is dissatisfied with the society, with the current situation we live in. And yeah, sure, temporary, temporarily, you know, with、uh, the lockdown and and、um, an economy that's not doing so well. Yeah,、mm-hmm. it's not the best situation we can all be in. But in the grand scheme of things, we live in arguably the best. Like we live in the best time ever、that's、in、true. human history.、That's、this、true. is the best time to be alive, right? And, very comfortable and convenient for us right now. Yeah, and and not even just comfort and convenience. It has never been easier to live the life that you want, to make the life that you want. Right?、Yeah. You don't have nowadays. There aren't any strict social castes or classes、um, that you adhere to. There's nothing that's、uh, there. There isn't a central system in place that's actively keeping you in your place. Yeah, and. It's almost as if people have become complacent, and people have just accepted that you know this is how it should be. It's always been this easy. It's always been this comfortable. I can just fucking snap my fingers and have anything that I want ordered from Amazon and delivered in in the next day for、right. free, right? Like like it's yeah. Just become people have just become complacent and accepting of all this, and lost the idea that you actually have to work for your success. You actually have to work for something meaningful. So yeah, that, that's just like, and the thing is, I've been seeing more and more of these posts. Maybe it's just because I interact with these posts more frequently. But Instagram and Facebook have been serving more of these kinds of posts,、um, and and it's just like I see this more often, and I'm just getting kind of frustrated because it's it's like it's almost as if society is breaking down. It's almost as if our culture is breaking down, right? Because up until this、yeah. point. Society was built upon progress. It was built upon discovering new solutions and new innovations that helped advance the human race forward. Yeah. And all of a sudden, now we're at a point where people just are saying it's it's not easy enough. The fact they scoff at the idea that they have to work for something. They scoff at the idea that life isn't meant to be easy, and not everybody will succeed. Yeah.、Um, like success isn't guaranteed. Right. So right. when I read his comment. To me, what I saw was I, I felt. I mean, I'm just assuming this, but the way this sounded was he once upon a time tried to be successful and he had grand visions,、mm-hmm. grand hopes of becoming successful, and he, you know, he did what he could and he worked hard in his mind, but it didn't work out, and now he is just dissatisfied with the entire system and he's just he feels as if the world、uh, owes him something and 
he feels as if like the system is out to get him and, yeah. and it, it, against him and you know i understand if if he's actually started something and he, if he's failed i understand like it's easy to get discouraged and feel down but the whole point of human resilience is you don't let that stop you you get back up and you keep going yeah it's perseverance through this exactly you persevere through whatever life throws at you and to me this just screams of self entitlement like yeah nobody owes you anything life doesn't owe you anything you, if you want right. something you have to go out and get it and if yeah. you don't get it then well reevaluate your options like maybe you weren't meant for that kind of success maybe you weren't meant for what you were envisioning but yeah. hey that doesn't mean that you weren't meant for a different kind of success you can mm-hmm. succeed in other forms right in other ways for sure so i you know i i in some ways i i kind of made those comments and voices and thoughts heard in in his reply and by replying to his comments and of course he doesn't respond <laughs> yeah of course oh well, i don't think they want to admit it right yeah a lot of the times you know they they put their opinion out there and once you come with uh something that's more logical and something that makes more sense people just tend to ignore it back away because they're like okay i've made my point but i'm not going to fight for my point i'm just going to leave it here yeah and gain whatever supporters i can gain and that's about it and I mean, the sad part is is yeah. he's actually like the the comment that he posted yeah um, has more likes and has more support than the opinions i posted or i i replied like right I and so it's clear that the, that a lot of people i mean it's also it's also possible that they just don't read the replies on his comment but the fact yeah. that his comment is one of the most liked on this entire image on this entire thread just goes to show that a lot of people have share the same sentiment and that's yeah. problematic right that you, then yeah. you have a breaking down of society for sure yeah i i don't know that was like That, one of your biggest uh, issues that you've been dealing with recently yeah i mean normally i don't let these things bother me like it doesn't matter what other people think and i don't i don't really care uh right. because it doesn't affect me as a person and i you know i i just know i just look at that and i go okay so i just can't be like that i i got to be wary and prevent myself from falling into that kind of trap of mm-hmm. thinking that everything's out to get me you know all that yeah but It's just annoying. Like it's it's just annoying to see so many people believing that and and buying that kind of nonsense. Well, I mean, it's it's sort of like a loophole, right? Uh maybe it's from education or whatever, but in school, I think in America, well in uh North America especially, we're brought up with a lot of imagination and freedom, right? Mhm. And so the one key factor about this imagination and freedom is also the fact that there's other people's there's other people that are around you so essentially the the people that are liking this the people that agree with this live in the world where they think the world revolves around them mm-hmm. yeah, where it's like whatever i say is right everyone else is wrong oh, they're yeah. not open to any suggestions they're not open to anything else they just want to say what they want to say and get what they want to get so it could be how they're brought up it could be a lot of different various factors but for sure it's a really big issue within society right now. I actually have a quote from a book that I was reading. You know, I was I started reading this book way before uh, you know this image this whole comic yeah. thing started, but it's it's from Mastery uh, by Robert Greene. Book I'm, I'm about 75% done. But I'm just going to read a bit of it here. The very concept of mastery has become denigrated, associated with something old-fashioned and even unpleasant. It is generally not seen as something to aspire to. This shift in value is rather recent and can be traced to circumstances peculiar to our times. We live in a world that seems increasingly beyond our control. Our livelihoods are at the whim of globalized forces. The problems that we face, economic, environmental, and so on, cannot be solved by our individual actions. Our politicians are distant and unresponsive to our desires. A natural response when people feel overwhelmed is to retreat into various forms of passivity. If we don't try too much in life, if we limit our circle of action, we can give ourselves the illusion of control. The less we attempt, the less chances of failure. If we can make it look like we are not really responsible for our fate, for what happens to us in life, then our apparent powerlessness is more palatable. For this reason, we become attracted to, to certain narratives. 
It is genetics that determines much of what we do, or we are just products of our times. The individual is just a myth. Human behavior can be reduced to statistical trends. Many take this change in value a step further, giving their passivity a positive veneer. They romanticize the self-destructive artist who loses control of him or herself. Anything that smacks of discipline or effort seems fussy and passé. What matters is the feeling behind the artwork, and any hint of craftsmanship or work violates this principle. They come to accept things that are made cheaply and quickly. The idea that they might have to expend much effort to get what they want has been eroded by the proliferation of devices that do so much of the work for them, fostering the idea that they deserve all of this, that it is their inherent right to have and to consume what they want. This passivity has even assumed a moral stance. Mastery and power are evil. They are the domain of patriarchal elites who oppress us. Power is inherently bad, and it's better to opt out of the system altogether, or at least make it look that way. You know, he he. I think he got it right on point that essentially a lot of people just become lazy. And well, yeah. And again, that's like laziness, sure, whatever. But like, I get lazy too. But they believe that. You know, they they believe they're entitled to something. They believe that、um, everything should be catered to their whims, and they don't necessarily have to really work for for what they want. So yeah, but I think the part that really hits the most is he's talking about the how we're losing control over of what we're creating, almost.、Mm-hmm. You know,、uh, especially、mm-hmm. now with AI. Well, everyone's starting to develop AI robots to replace humans. Uh, essentially, that's just gonna create a cycle where a it's gonna be more difficult for people to find an occupation, and on top of that, there may be certain faulties that won't be able that they won't be able to fix at all. So certain things, you know, still need that human touch, still require that human touch to be properly created. But if you're so reliant on technology. By the end of it, everything's gonna probably be a ruin. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know, but I don't think that that's definitely not a、uh, a valid excuse to kind of just give up and no, and for sure it's not. Assume this passive stance, right? It's yeah, like yeah, you know, when the AI overlords take over and Skynet or、yeah. blows the Earth up or whatever, yeah, we'll worry about that then. Yeah, but for the time being, you know, that kind of. Reality is nowhere near today, so you might as well just start working on what you want.、Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, like I, I def, I highly recommend that book, Mastery by Robert Greene, for anyone that's looking to kind of get ahead in their career,、uh, get ahead in their field. And look, it's not one of those like feel-good books that just tell us what、mm-hmm. that just tell you what you want to know and and kind of move on. And and I think of those kinds of books as junk food,、um, as something that. Just fills you up and makes you feel good in the moment, but lacks any true substance. Certain books are just a waste of time, and, and they provide nothing of value. This、right. book is not like that. This book is not like that. It, it's it's a pretty pretty hefty book, and it analyzes all the different masters of of current and past eras. So you got Benjamin Franklin, Albert Einstein, right? Structs how they became so great. And、uh, in doing and in doing so, it shows that these people weren't geniuses. These people weren't that much different from you and I. Yeah. And that means yeah. we can also change our lives for better, change society for the better, and、uh, hopefully someday become like these kinds of people. Right. Well, I mean, a really great example would be Jack Ma of Alibaba, well, the founder of Alibaba. Yeah. Dude, this guy got rejected by KFC. And he's、yeah. still like he persevered through that, and he's been、yeah. able to create one of the biggest、um, online markets in Asia. So yeah, exactly. You know, having that excuse of failing once, failing twice, not getting what you want—just look at this guy, and you'll see that you know perseverance does pay off. You know, you never know what might happen, what might turn out after the facts, but. It might be hard. I know it's hard for people to fully commit to something that they've、uh, that they're a bit weary of.、Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that's also sort of the excitement of life, right? Because you、yeah. wouldn't know where that would bring you. 
Oh yeah, exactly. And I think that brings, you know, that's an important point to make because again, I feel like people have this misconception that everything in life has to be like you always have to be happy and mm. everything has to be always exciting and everything always has to be going right. No, mm. it's not. Like you're going to eat shit sometimes. Yeah. And to be to that and to push through it, that's what separates the successful people from those who aren't. And again, success is whatever you make of it. Like success mm. doesn't always have to be monetary or like being rich or being famous or whatever. Like right. success you define success on your own terms and you go out and get it. That's what's so beautiful, right? You can you don't have to conform to other people's standards of success. Mm. You do whatever the fuck you want to do. You don't listen to the haters. You just yeah. live a good, happy, fulfilling life. Mm. This is what I've noticed, you know, as a kid, no matter how many times you fall over while running or whatever, you end up picking yourself back up. And as you gradually grow older, you either a actually gain a sense of balance and, you know, stop falling over or b you give up on going outside, running around with your friends and stay more well you just don't move as much and don't you do as many as much physical activity and i think that's a really key part because that just shows people that are willing to continue to go forward no matter how many times they fall down and those that just fall down once twice three times and after that they're like okay i'm not ever going to do this again yeah i think it's yeah. like our childhood and it they really parenting really important where you encourage them you know you're like hey come on get up you can do this again you can do this again it's like riding a bike essentially mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah you keep doing it until you get it and you know it is trickier in you know in the adult world so to speak because yes you know when to stop like if if you're not if like i i don't you know i can't be an nba basketball superstar but if just because i try really hard or, i mean there's still a possibility that i might become become a super you got to know when to stop some things just aren't cut yeah. out for you and there, there's a limit to everything yeah yeah but that doesn't mean that the system is out to get you or it's rigged against you or it's preventing you from succeeding yeah because you're focusing your energy on the wrong thing and that's on you that's your mm-hmm. problem like that's right it's your fault and you just got to own up to that like there's, and there's nothing wrong with that right there's nothing wrong with chasing no. the wrong thing and then finding out years later and even then you have two options you can either just feel sorry for yourself and just give up and subscribe to a life of mediocrity or mm. you can pick yourself back up like you said and and start a life anew even when you're you know i don't know maybe it could be like 40 or 50 you can start a life anew even when you're then yeah at i think a lot of this stems from the fact that the educational system and just parents and teachers and you, the way i see it is that it doesn't teach children it doesn't teach people enough about these kinds of emotional pitfalls right it, yeah. it, and it doesn't teach enough philosophy i, I believe mm-hmm. that you know if you teach more philosophy you know i'm I, i'm personally against bring introducing religion into schools right but i do see where the proponents of that are coming from because when mm-hmm. you have religion in schools i mean obviously this is being a very idealistic this is a very idealistic scenario But when you have religion in schools, religion is basically t- it tells you certain ways of living, right? It teaches you yeah. how to conduct yourself and how to live. Right. And when those kinds of values are instilled inside of a child since they were young, eventually you're going to grow up and that society is going to they're going to embody those values essentially. And right. you know, I'm not complaining that religion was removed from schools. I think religion should be kept out of schools. Like mm-hmm. it had a time religion has a time and place. Yeah. You know, back in the 1600s, sure. Yeah. In your schools like that's okay sure whatever yeah. that was appropriate for that society then mm. but in 2020 21st century I don't think it's appropriate but that's another story for another time the point yeah. is is I think the educational system needs to instill values that can later become an anchoring point or stable foundation to build life off of right right uh, without oppressing them at all exactly so I think the whole like oh you can be anything and you're a special sm- snowflake and boomers will say oh you're making your kids soft and you're making them unprepared for the real world i only yeah. partly agree with that because yes everybody is unique and everybody is special and mm. every anybody can actually become anything but there's the there's a second part that parents and schools don't teach which is the philosophy the 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 thing that 
anchors this this child down to the ground because right. you know yeah you can you can fill your kid up with like oh you're so special and whatever and inflate their ego but mm. you know when they enter the real world and that ego pops then you're going to have a really big mess that's true so well i think philosophies are what really brings the balance right yeah um how should i put this i was i've been reading the art of war by sun tzu it's about a chinese individual philosopher Mm-hmm. Well, strategists so to speak that wrote about how war should be conducted or mm-hmm. his perceptions of war right and from I, i haven't gone to the whole book from my from my perspective is that the philosophy would the philosophy would be the strategist mm-hmm. and the other part so the action part would be the army without a okay. solid strategist uh with proper philosophy your army is going to be a wreck you know you're not going to win any battles against anything and when i mean any battles i mean battle with time battle with um maybe your occupation or sports anything that bothers you but hmm. without this foundation of uh this philosoph- philosophical foundation you're not going to get anywhere yeah uh, so i think that's like a really really important point uh when it comes to up the upbringing of the next generation. Oh yeah, I agree. I agree completely. I think but I, I don't know. I don't think it's too late to start. Like it's not. We're reading book and all that. We're 20. Mm-hmm. You're I mean we're both turning 21 pretty soon. Okay. Are you you're you're ready 21. Yeah. I can't forget. Yeah, yeah. You're ready 21. <laughs> uh we're starting now. Yes, we are at a young age, but that doesn't mean that other other ages can so i think you don't have to wait until you have a kid to teach yourself to teach you can get started now and i think if everybody learns about philosophy and learns about proper conduct you know within society will be for the better well i mean something that's super relevant about you know being able to learn now it's the black lives matter movement it's happening i'm not going to dive too deep into this because it's not an area where we both should touch upon too deeply yeah Yeah, but, we're not um, too well versed in this uh field. Yeah, but you know, a lot of individuals within America, uh minorities or the whites, they're willing to learn, you know, why this movement is happening. And so this <laughs> sort of ties back to this whole philosophical aspect as well, right? If you're w- t- willing to take that step and you're willing to learn and refocus your philosophy, that could change your life for the better and you'll gain an even more understanding of maybe yourself or the other people that are around you. Yeah, exactly. And Black Lives Matter movement, I think we can see the detrimental effects of racism yeah. in society. Like we can it's it's clearly like it's clear that we have a problem. Yes. And so I think it's much easier for people to accept that we have a problem because you can uh-huh. clearly see it. Yeah. And people will take the initiative to educate themselves. However, When it comes to something like personal philosophy or living a good life or living a fulfilling life, yeah. I, I think a lot of times people don't want to admit that they have a problem because a it's not easily as easily seen. Like yeah, mm-hmm. you might be unhappy, but you just kind of accept it and you become complacent. Right. An insult and it's, it's scary to admit that you've been living your life somewhat incorrectly. Mhm. Um especially the older the older you are. So yeah. I think a a popular quote or a popular saying for supporters of the Black Lives Movement or mm-hmm. just any like movement in general mm-hmm. is the first step to solving a problem is is admitting that we have a problem. Right. And all these great movements and protests have successfully identified that we have a problem. You know, they've mm-hmm. spread awareness. They identify we have a problem. I think we need to do similar things with the individual right 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 um, well cuz it starts with the individual and that's how it outbreaks you can't realistically expect to change an entire system without influencing the individual first yeah i, I think if you if you were to so, if think i think if you were to address the individual i'll call it the problem of individuality the death the mm-hmm. death of individual yes if we were to address that i think a lot of this issues that were facing society would mm-hmm. they wouldn't disappear necessarily but i think they'd be much more easily addressable and, it would be uh, alleviated you know the yeah, heavy pressure of it yeah even things like racism and uh, sexism and mm-hmm. homophobia all these kinds of things that comes down to the individual it, it comes that you know nobody's inherently racist nobody's inherently yeah. homophobic 
Right. That, those are traits that you pick up. Mm-hmm. And I think those kinds of traits can be uh, addressed or prevented from ever entering a, a, an individual through philosophies. Mm-hmm. You know, religion could also play that role, but I think religion is trickier. Religion is a more gray area, I think. I think yeah. there should be a stable foundation, like philosophical foundation that sort of relates to everyone since you know there are so many different religions around the world yeah you can't adapt each one to suit everyone's needs you know exactly i think there should be a foundation you know it's not something that you sh- you have to believe in or whatever but it's something that you keep in your mind you know i agree i agree and the thing about religion is because it has such a history it becomes difficult to interpret exactly what that religious text or whatever is saying right Again, you know, a lot of these religious texts weren't even written in English. Yeah. So it was interpreted. You have something that's yeah, you have something that's interpreted and translated over the course of a thousand years, mm-hmm. and the the people translating them obviously are going to be influenced by the society and by the conditions that they're living in. So right. over over a thousand years, you have this work that's just of all of the different you know eras that we've lived mm-hmm. through that human has humans have lived through, and to base your life solely on that, it mm-hmm. can be done. But I think right. it's like you said; it's a gray area. It would be more tricky. Well, the, I think the what are, not the issue, not the biggest issue of religion, but humans, like the human society, as we mentioned earlier, is evolving constantly. Yeah, and religion is one of the things that aren't really evolving at all. <laughs> you know, it's for us, for religious individuals. It's a sacred text, so they're obviously not going to twist any words. They're not going to change it to benefit uh, uh, to benefit society nowadays, and so it's almost like you're following like really old rules at, from yeah. one perspective. But at the same time, it's also about the perception of it, right? You know, it could be a really old rule, but you can apply it to an everyday life, uh, maybe through a, a priest, a preacher, uh, someone that studies religious texts, but then. Then again, it's up to the individual that's listening to decide whether it's correct or not. Yeah, exactly. So and that's that's like the gray area. That's what we're talking about, like the gray area of religion. Yeah, yeah, exactly.、Uh, that's not to you know. I'm not hating on religion or anything. I believe no, no. Yeah, like I have you know, I I subscribe to a religious thing myself, but it's again, it's it, I think it's difficult, right? Because obviously you have extremists and you have. You know, they're not everybody, but you know, they're not. They're not. I don't think there's a lot of them, but you have a certain group of people that subscribe to an extremist version of of that religion, or they, you know, take things out too literally, or、mm-hmm. they just don't apply it properly. Right. You know, like the Westboro Baptist Church with its homophobia. Again, I, I Bible was a reflection of that society at that time, and、right. to apply something that was from thousand years ago. To today is just, it's like, it's just, it's just like, yeah, it's、uh, difficult. And religion had a very different purpose thousand years ago than it does today, right? Back then, I think it was more so used to explain everything. So, in addition to giving people philosophy and and giving people a way to live,、mm-hmm. it explained certain phenomena that we couldn't explain ourselves at the times.、So、for example, why it rains, or、yeah. you know, why the wind blows, or you know, just stuff like that. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, we now have the tools and the evidence. And the scientific、uh, technology、yeah. with, with the technology, essentially, right,、yeah. to explain those kinds of things that were previously unexplainable. Right. But to take that religious text,、yeah. so for example, Bible and、uh, and evolution, to take that so literally、mm-hmm. and believe that that is what it is. Right. When in fact science has proven otherwise, or not proven necessarily, but shown to a very high possibility that it's true.、Mm-hmm. You're kind of using the wrong tool for the diff for for the wrong purpose, essentially.、Mm-hmm. And so I believe that you know religion does have a place in modern society, but it's a different role. It has a different、right. function than it did a thousand years ago.、Right. And that is to explain the human condition, to explain philosophy, to explain how to live a good life. Because these things you can't explain with science. 
yeah you know psychology is really trying but i don't think we've really gotten there yet so who knows maybe in the future psychology will be able to explain most of our you know emotions and everything so even then maybe then religion will be completely useless but we're not there yeah hopefully so yeah like i think i think people have to just recognize that times change and Mm -hmm. and people have to change with them and because religious texts are the byproduct of the times and and people its purpose is also going to have to change and its interpretations are going to have to change mm-hmm. i think i think a really good philosophical book well i wouldn't say it's philosophical but i'm pretty sure a lot of you have heard of it it's called the subtle art of not giving a fuck it's honestly a decent book certain approaches if i remember correctly i didn't agree with but other approaches i agreed with you know mm-hmm. One that really stood out and really ties with this was when he was talking about life problems. You know, he's mm-hmm. like, essentially the author was saying life is essentially made up of either big problems and small problems. And sometimes they're caused by an exterior factor, but a vast majority of the time it's caused by like an interior factor. And so you sort of, in order to live life to the fullest, you sort of have these problems in your way and you overcome them so that um, it gives you a sense of fulfillment. And after you overcome one, you create another one. And that's, that's also the mentality of perseverance as well, you know. It's like, I think a lot of people, once they hit that really big wall in front of them, they end up just going re- reverting back to like that old lazy, lazy, you know, person persona. Whereas others, they would, you know, slowly chip away at that wall until they finally break through it. And after that, it's just small hurdles for that. It's interesting you bring that up because you know I, I, I've been kind of like on a quest to find philosophical answers to life and live yeah. a good life. So I've been reading all these different books, and one of the books that I read was well, it's not even a book; it's more like a journal. But it's called Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Mm-hmm. He's a Roman emperor. Yeah. And he wrote this book kind of, well, he, he journaled essentially. He was journaling to himself and repeating to himself several key life values that he believed were very important. Right. And it was never meant to be published, but a historian got hold of it a couple thousand years ago, later. Right. And it was published. Anyway, in that book, he. I'm just going to find the exact quote here. But in that book, he says something that's very related to the subtle art. I'm not giving a fuck. Hold on. Let me see. Uh, so that quote is pretty similar to, to something that Marcus Aurelius wrote. Mm-hmm. It is. And here are two of the most immediately useful thoughts he will dip into. First, that things cannot touch the mind. They are external and inert. Mm-hmm. Anxieties can only come from your internal judgment. Right. Second, that all these things you see will change almost as soon as you look at them and then will be no more. In essence, it's saying the same thing, right? Like all of yeah. your anxieties and all your insecurities and problems are self-made. Like it's your response to those problems uh-huh. that's getting anxiety and and insecurity. It, you know, there's nothing inherently, like no Physical. external event yeah. can yeah. inherently induce anxiety. That's just all on you, right? Yeah, but at the same time, we're not saying that like having anxiety or we're not downplaying the severity of anxiety in all of these cases, but it's... Oh, yeah, no, I, I agree. Like, it's a it's, mental... It's a very... It's something that wears you down mentally uh, slowly, and that's what really induces it and makes it, causes it to become severe. Yeah, and, you know, I'm not... We're not belittling... Yeah. Like you said, downplaying any... Um, like, anxiety attacks are very real see a doctor and you know get the necessary prescriptions and all that we understand yeah. like that's that's a real thing we're not like those boomers that say just fucking feel happier and you'll be fine yeah we're exactly not no but this is more so for i think for very ambitious individuals because yes. when you're very ambitious you will encounter a lot of failures and you, know, you will encounter a lot of resistances mm-hmm. to obtaining the thing that you want right like right for example when you, you know you want to become a world-class chef you want to practice your art but in order to do that, you had to go through a really grueling education program and then mm-hmm. take a bunch of shit from your chef, from the head chef, and put yourself through that. And I think it's easy for when you're in those moments, regardless of your background or whatever, it's easy to, you know, be overcome and be overwhelmed and yeah. feel so anxious that you kind of just give up. I think this kind these kinds of statements will obviously help address that. Right. But again, 
just so people don't hate on us and shit on us for the wrong thing and take things out of context. But yeah, we're not belittling that. That's yeah. a very serious uh, and real yeah problem. condition. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I talked about this. Did I? I don't know if I talked about this last podcast. Did I talk about how I almost walked out the kitchen? I don't think so. When I first, basically, when I first started um, in the restaurant, in I was under a lot of heavy stress, heavy pressure. And I think a month and a half in, basically, my head chef did what every Asian parent does when they're trying to teach their kids how to swim. Basically, mm. he threw me in the deep end. Um, what happened was, it was, I think, yeah, a month and a half in, and we had 60 covers for lunch. Now, you know, for a lot of individuals out there that work in maybe bigger restaurants, that might seem like nothing, but... For 60 covers, it was just my chef and I, and we had a three-course uh, menu for the, the entire lunch. And I got so stressed out halfway through, um, I swore at every server that was trying to talk to me, <laughs> and I almost broke four plates by throwing them on the ground because I was just really, really stressed. And I almost walked out of that kitchen. And that was your breaking right. point. That was that was my breaking point. But what I told myself was, you have to persevere through this. If you don't persevere through this, you face this again. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be even worse the second time. Oh yeah. And so I was that was that was something where I was like, okay, I gotta do this. So thank God the time flew by, because I, I, after like another hour and a half, I couldn't take it anymore. But the hour and a half went by. And we were finished. Two hours later, my chef comes back and he goes, Friday reservations, we're at 70 now. And, you know, after you've been through something like that, this is how, this is the past the big wall now. The 70 just, I was completely numb towards that number. You know, I was like, okay, you know what? Fuck it. I did 65, five more people, whatever. We can do this. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's the part where I'm talking about, you know, you got to hit the wall as hard as you can. And you got oh, yeah. like you don't you don't ha- you don't have to take it down with one hit, but you know you slowly go at it, and if you're able to break it down, that's when you know you taste the fruit of success, and it's pretty sweet, I have to say. <laughs> no, that's that's amazing because watching uh, Jordan Peterson's lectures, uh, some of his late mm-hmm. lectures, in that lecture, in that little snippet, he was saying how the human mind and, and just humans in general, the most amazing thing about them. Mm-hmm about us as a species is that whenever we're confronted with a difficult challenge or difficult problem, we rise to the occasion right. and our ability to endure that kind of pain actually increases afterwards. Yeah. And so far, there's been no limit to how much we can rise and right. grow. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, th- this book, the book Mastery says it and a lot of other books that I've read, actually, The Power of Starting Something Stupid by Richie Norton, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius also says this. Mm-hmm. All these different books say that, hey, like, whenever you're confronted with a difficult situation, it's not overcome. It's right. You know, that situation was, in most cases, manufactured by humans. Mm-hmm. So humans should be able to solve it. Right. And why not you, right? And like you said, at the seventieth one after you, when you had to take seventy orders, that was that was like nothing. Yeah. And you kind of just I, like, I've had instances like that too, where right. I've become so overwhelmed with schoolwork and and just different responsibilities that mm-hmm. I I've seriously considered like, hey, do I just this is my breaking point? Do I just quit? Yeah. Do I just drop out of school? Like, is this the point where I say this is not for me? Right. And do I go find something else? Right. But I I think in those moments it's best to look back and find instances in my life that I've had, you know, that I've over, where I've overcome a, a great struggle or a great, yeah. diff, greatly difficult period. Mm-hmm. So I think my first encounter with kind of like a really big resistance, a really big breaking point or almost breaking point was when it was actually in grade seven mm-hmm. when I got transferred to the congregated gifted program. So uh, it's basically like an accelerated middle right. school. Right. And how accelerated you may ask well they were actually teaching us like grade concepts from grade nine and ten right in grade seven holy uh, crap yeah so obviously you know i was under a lot oh and it was also um half french immersion so the first half would be like math and science and english and stuff mm-hmm. and the next half would be completely in french so it'd be teaching geography history french obviously mm-hmm. art you know the, the other other uh subjects in french right. 
And having only spoken, ever only spoken English and Korean my entire life, being mm-hmm. dropped into that environment when I was in grade seven, mm-hmm. because the program actually started in grade, the program starts in grade five, but I didn't get the chance to get into it uh, until grade seven. Oh. So, you know, when you start the program when you're in grade five, they obviously go a lot easier on you. Yeah. And when you get to grade seven, the expectation is you've, you've built up all that knowledge and they kind of just go hard ham on you. And so I was dropped right into the middle of that first day i had no idea what was going on everybody's talking to me in a foreign language mm-hmm. right? the, the concepts are way more difficult everybody seems so much more smarter than me everybody seems so much well versed in the system like they know how to maneuver the system they know how to you know interact with the teachers and, and know what to do with the projects yeah and i'm just there completely clueless yeah and so that was like my first huge challenge that i was exposed to and kind of whenever i encounter difficult problems or situations mm-hmm. now there are moments when I still look back to that and I say, hey, I was in fucking grade seven, man. Yeah. And I was basically dropped in to a foreign country at that point because you're only speaking another language for yeah. half a day. Right. And was forced to catch up. Other kids had two years ahead advantage. I was forced to catch up and learn the system in you know less than a couple of months. Yeah. And, and, and so that, that gives you courage, right? It, looking inwards, knowing, yeah, I can do it. I've overcome all these different hardships before. Mm-hmm. I've overcome this one. There yeah. is no reason for me to not be able to come this far at this stage of my life. Right? right. Yeah. But then again, like, it's not easy to do that. It's super fucking hard to do that. Yeah, for sure. I guess going back to the whole like original Instagram post, maybe people need to do more of that. Well, I think another factor that plays into this part would be the people that are around you as well, right? I mean, if everyone agrees with your point or if everyone's ignorant with your, like, ignores your point and your focus, you're not going to understand the concept of what's right and what's wrong. And Mm -hmm. for me, what sets things from right and wrong are my best friends. Right. Or, or the people that I associate myself with, because those are the people that are be like, hey, look, you know, what you said back there, it wasn't it wasn't right. You know, you should apologize. They have they, they're more direct with you. If you're never if you've never had someone that's super direct with you, you don't know which direction you're going. in. Mm-hmm. I mean, the human society essentially is like a herd of sheep. There, there isn't like. Oh, obviously there's like political leaders and whatever, but there isn't like one true leader that, that like, there's not one true shepherd that leads us all, right? There are times yeah. where other, the people right beside you are the shepherds and there's times where you're the shepherd yourself and you sort of demonstrate it to other individuals. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's why there's so many posts like this on social media because the individuals they only they they've never had another person tell them that their point wasn't valid or they never accepted the fact that someone's willing to tell them that they were wrong right that's how that's i think that's where a vast majority of this stems from that's not to say that i'm that we're blind to disadvantages or injustices within society those are very real they exist Mm -hmm. but if you're privileged enough to not be at a severe disadvantage or even if you are disadvantaged at a point where it's not like great enough to completely crush you mm-hmm. like I, I believe you have no right to say these kinds of things and believe you're entitled to to success and believe you're entitled to certain things like right. you know i mean this is a personal story but my parents when they came to canada when they immigrated here mm-hmm. we had nothing right we, yeah we had nothing like the the crazy rich asians kind of stereotype didn't exist back then right right in fact it was a completely different stereotype where if you were asian everybody thought you were just cheap and poor yeah but anyway we, we, we came here a really tough life dad's still uh he's still a student right he yeah he's trying to support a family while going to college mm-hmm. and you know obviously in a for- completely foreign country don't doesn't can't really speak the language too well mm-hmm. don't really know the culture don't really know the system too proper too well right i would say that's a pretty severe disadvantage um oh, yeah just the fact that you're not a, that we're not citizens mm-hmm already puts you at a social disadvantage because you don't if you're not a citizen you don't enjoy the same kind of benefits that a canadian citizen would right right and regardless of that we're not like super rich or anything but we're definitely come a long way since then yeah and sure. we were at a relatively big disadvantage i'd say mm-hmm. again if if you're within a position where you can apply yourself you have no right to complain 
you know, you, you can get mad and you can get frustrated and we all have those moments, right? Of course. We all yeah. have those moments where like, you know, why God did you do this to me or whatever. We have our moments. That's the main narrative that you carry around with you. That shouldn't be mm-hmm. your life, essentially your life, uh, life's voice. People, I guess, first of all, need to be more accepting and just understand that they're not perfect. Well, that when someone else has a valid opinion, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with changing yours and fixing yourself. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Well, I mean, there's there's another trend that sort of relates to what you just said back then. You know how back then international individuals were viewed more poor and cheap, mm-hmm. and now nowadays, you know, international individuals, uh, especially what we call fobs are yeah. perceived as you know really really rich like the crazy rich asians rich yeah exactly and you know i was watching i was watching the documentary a while ago it was like a short documentary and it was about how those individuals probably only make up like 10 percent of the rest of the international students that do come into this mm-hmm. country to study and it just, I think the biggest reason why those individuals gives international students such a bad rep is because they aren't confident in themselves to mm-hmm. be in a new society surrounded by unfamiliar faces and speaking an unfamiliar language like you were in grade seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, but lucky enough for them, they're surrounded with the same types of people. Yeah. And so, Nowadays, you just see a bunch of, you know, UFT or like university students that barely speak a lick of English and they're always together in a group. Mm-hmm. And what pisses people off is they don't understand the culture in Canada, you know, because they just within that group, they think they're back in their home country. And I'm not yeah. saying their home country is bad or whatever, but, yeah. you know, different places have different cultures and it's something where you, you should embrace it. And I, I do feel like back to the documentary, I do feel bad for those because I have met a lot of international students that aren't as rich, but I feel really bad for them that they have this rep. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. They have this stigma stuck to them and they can't do anything about it other than prove themselves within the school. No, I mean, like stereotypes in general, they're pretty destructive. They're, yeah. You know, they're not representative. Yeah, like, yeah, okay, stereotypes come from something. They have some element of truth, whatever. Right. whatever. But when you use it to generalize an entire population, yeah, it, it is yeah. It is problematic. And it can be pretty uh, destructive to to an individual. So, I mean, I, I suppose it's a double ed- double-edged sword. Like, in oh, some sure. ways, it's a good thing that mm-hmm. we have a lot more uh, individuals from other cultures, from other countries coming into Canada. Mm-hmm. But a kind of byproduct of that is... You know, it's great to have different communities and different cultures within Canada. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. There's nothing wrong right. with that. Yeah. And that should be encouraged. But when you take that to the extreme, it becomes like a clique where that community solely operates within its borders. Yeah. And, and it doesn't interact with, with the larger culture yeah. of Canada. So, yeah, I think as more people arrive, you know, I think that problem just naturally occurs where, yeah. you know, like-minded people tend to stick together and... They just kind of band together and, and are less willing to open themselves up. Even for me, this is what what I do, especially when meeting new people. You know, there's always a f- couple of new individuals that people tell you to be weary of. I'm sure like, yeah. you've experienced that as well. Yeah. But try to approach it with an open mind. You never know what you can learn from that individual. And, you know, if things truly don't work out, you're still able to be cut off that contact since it's fairly new. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're forcing yourself within this um, situation where you're really uncomfortable uh, and you're not close enough to tell them what they're doing wrong, it mm-hmm. sort of breaks you down yourself because you're like, okay, you know, I'm just the weak individual that has no voice, mm-hmm. and I, I'm and you end up being influenced by the other individual. So yeah, that's that's a really really important point to take note of. Yeah, I guess it just comes down to fight for yourself. Don't be crushed. I mean, like know when to speak and not to speak, mm-hmm. but don't lose your individuality. Right. Don't think that everybody's just a sheep. Mm-hmm. Just do your thing and and fight for yourself within this chaotic world. Right. Okay, here's something that's super important as well that relates a lot to technology. I know you you and I, yeah, we, we are on the phone often, you know, we're on the internet often reading different news articles, 
reading things that are interests us in a sense. But in, in for me, I tend to learn a lot more from a physical book. I don't know about you, but、mm-hmm. since I really enjoyed reading as a kid and all that, you get exposed to a lot of different ideas and values、um, through maybe fictitious books or philosophical books. And I think that's something that. This generation is missing nowadays. You don't see a lot of people going to the library to pick out a book. You don't see a lot of kids at restaurants reading books. You know, they're all on their iPads watching a show, and yeah, shows like can give you a sense of philosophy and maybe allow you to understand something even more, a topic even more in depth.、Mm-hmm. But I feel like books is where you know you're completely focused on it, so you absorb a lot more from it, and yeah, that's a key part that's missing. In this generation, I mean, we're sounding more like boomers by the second. Yeah, I know. We're getting old, man. <laughs> yeah, we're getting fucking old. We turned twenty-one, or you turned twenty-one. I'm almost twenty-one. Yeah, we're, we're talking like this. <laughs> but no, I, I agree, and、um, I don't know what it is, but yeah, no, like I think it's because when you're watching TV or a movie or whatever, yes, TVs and movies and and things like that have. A very important role to play in that, in the sense that they can convey certain things that words can't. Right? They right. can convey、um, emotion, aesthetic, yeah. and emotion. The thing about books is because they can't convey aesthetic, emotion, imagery. Right. Relying on your imagination, you have to rely and visualize. Right. You have to start、right. visualizing as you read, and rely more on yourself and your brain to translate those words into images、mm-hmm. and into feelings and emotions.、Mm-hmm. And I think that skill. Is lost. First of all, that skill is lost when you just watch something. Yeah, yeah. And that's have in developing kind of your emotional intelligence,、mm-hmm. in developing right because you're kind of like when you're reading, you have to read between the lines. You're inferring and you pick up on nuances and you create、right. and you create vivid imagery. Yeah. And when you're networking and dealing with people, that's basically what you need to do. You need to. Read between the lines, and you need to understand their body language and、mm-hmm. pick up on social cues and nuance. Like so, reading is, has become kind of like a lost,、uh, lost. I don't even know what you say. Lost. It's not even a skill, but yeah, lost art. Lost Let's just、skill. leave it at like, lost yeah, art. Yeah, lost yeah. art. <laughs> and you know, touching upon what you just said, for individuals, my strategy to overcome certain things is through visualization, and it's、right. something that my my head chef had taught me. You know, he's like. Before every service, you treat it like a war, and if you're not organized for it, you're gonna get fucked. Like he, you know, he was like, "You're gonna be really deep in shit, and pulling yourself out is gonna be ten times more tiring than if you had prepared properly." So it's like he told me, he's like, "You know, set up your station properly. You know, make sure everything you need is there, so you're not running back and forth like a dog." <laughs> and visualize how the service is going to go. You know, you already know roughly the amount of individuals that are coming in the restaurant. You know what the dishes are, so make sure you time everything properly and understand what needs to be done when you're working、mm-hmm. at a certain station.、Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's the, one of the biggest key factors in life. When you're facing a problem and you're unable to get through it the first time. You know, sometimes sit down. You know, close your eyes and think about all these. You know, all the different ways that you can approach this. Yeah. And yeah. if you're still unable to break through that, look towards a friend. Look towards a mentor. Look for, towards someone that might be well versed in what you're trying to do,、mm-hmm. and they'll give you a second point of entry where you you finally realize, like you come to realization, like oh, you know, I could have done it this way, or oh, you're right. Oh, it's easier to be able to do it this way. And I think that's one of the most important aspects of anything. If you're doing sports, if you're trying to solve a problem, if you're reading a book, or if you're trying to solve a mystery, just sit down,、yeah. visualize your surroundings, and that just brings you back to your core and allows you to gain a sense of what's happening. I agree.、Uh, evidence behind that. And、uh, you know, I don't remember the exact statistics, but you know, the general gist of it is important to kind of、mm-hmm. illustrate this,、uh, the validity of this idea. And it was okay. So what? So the experiment was: these scientists gathered a bunch of people, and they told all these people to throw、mm-hmm. a bunch of basketball shots,、mm-hmm. and they recorded on average how many shots these people、uh, made.、Mm-hmm. They told one group practice shooting 
physically a certain mm-hmm. number of times a day. And then they told the second group to not do anything at all. Mm-hmm. And then they told the third group to visualize throwing the hoops, mm-hmm. not actually do it. Yeah. And then a couple of weeks later, they returned to the same groups and they found out that the first group, the group that actually had physically practiced, improved by like, let's say 10%. The second group that, you know, didn't do anything at all, understand proof much. It was like 1%. And even that 1% was probably just like luck. But what was, what was most surprising was the third group, they improved 8%. Right. And it just goes to show that visualizing is just as important as actually doing the work and act, is actually right. the effort, the physical effort. Right. So that skill of visualization you know, it, it definitely comes a lot easier when you have the practice. Revisiting the idea, uh, reading is a lost art. I think art is generally underappreciated in this society. There's a very high emphasis, there's a very high focus on the technical side of things, like engineering, right. law, and medicine, and you know, these things are all great. But at the same time, we've kind of dismissed art, and we've kind mm-hmm. of dismissed its place within society. Like, at, when I'm in engineering, it's common to hear, I, oh, you know, I don't have to take this humanities elective or like, why should we take, when am I I ever going to, you know, use Shakespeare or whatever in engineering? Mm -hmm. And that kind of sentiment is very self-destructive and it's destructive to the individual. But when you multiply that by a factor of a million and that becomes multiplied across an entire society that devalues art and doesn't know how to appreciate it, I think that's when you don't have a breaking down of culture. I'm, I'm going to say this. I have a hard time appreciating art to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I enjoy physical art. So, you know, paintings and whatever. But right, I, right. as a kid, I fucking hated poetry. That was something <laughs> I, you know, it, I think it was twisted. Like, yes, English teachers, like, you know, taught you how to, like, perceive poetry and whatever. But I think they took it so much out of context. Yeah. And they, they, they tried to change your perspective toward to like what they wanted you to see to the point where I was just like, okay, like, I don't know what you're talking about right now. It was in grade 12 English class. And we we're, yeah. I'm going to say the poem. It was um, The Road Less Taken. For me, uh, the most direct part. Yeah, it's a classic, right? But for me, what I took from it is do what you want to do. You know, you don't have to follow the norms of society. You just do what you want to do. But the English teacher that I had, it twisted it to a point where I just couldn't understand what he was saying. And I couldn't, <laughs> and even when he explained it, I, I didn't agree with it. I don't remember how he explained it, but I just know I didn't agree with it. So I was like, if you're going to teach art, you have to allow freedom in it. And yeah. I, I think that's good. And along with this, like the most scariest weapon in this world is one's imagination. Everything that's here today, uh, that we're using today, you know, it could be as simple as a pencil, like a pen or whatever. It was caused through someone's imagination. And to limit that limits the evolution of society. Oh, yeah. You know, when you when everyone's dropping all the literature, all the art, all the poetry, any of the arts, like, you know, once you're dropping any of those and you're substituting them with law, politics very very academic academically focused subjects you're essentially changing humans into robots and that's what a lot of schools have done you know they're yes they're prestigious yes you have chances of getting a better job if you go to them your imagination is stifled you you have nothing in there except for the things except for academics i agree and i think dia this notion that you have to take all these academic courses and get enrolled into these rigorous university programs to be able to become successful and do well, I think is a relatively recent phenomenon that was the result of Taylorism and uh, the Industrial Revolution and just the way the system was set up to educate people. Taylor came up with all these theories on how to make work more productive. They initially relied on ideas that were based on very regimented and strict and rigorous training and the specialization and despertization of individual labor. Um, But I think as the times went on and uh, 
you know, societies evolved, their initial idealistic values kind of got twisted and people start to interpret their work as let's just turn humans into robots because that's what people like Taylor and Ford uh, thought was more efficient, right? Um, but that's not really the case, I don't think. Even in the most boring and mundane jobs you can think of, like a, just like a regular office mm -hmm. desk job, creativity and, and, and imagination can have a massive impact at such a young age and say, oh, you know, that's that's not going to get you very far. It's right. just it's just wrong. Like mm -hmm. that's you're literally tearing the society apart. Mm -hmm. Right. That's what people want. You know, they just want the pay. They don't want the improvement of it. Yeah, but I think like in, when you introduce creativity and you introduce imagination and you kind of bring back that inner child uh, mm -hmm. into your workplace, like it just becomes that more enjoyable and. Right. You know, who says that work has and you just do it to pay the mortgage? Or like it, it mm -hmm. should be enjoyable. Right. It should be something that it's something that you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. It, you're spending the might as well make it something enjoyable, right? Right. Um, but but because you know after years and years of the education system just trying to beat imagination out of you, mm -hmm. uh, you kind of don't know how to to restart that. You become numb to the idea of it. Yeah. Yeah. And. But the, the great thing is, is there's ways around that. Like there's ways to kickstart your imagination. There's ways to kickstart your creativity. Mm -hmm. Mentioning the book Mastery, because I, I absolutely love it. Like, I, I think it's amazing. But right. that book, it, it teaches you um, tips and tricks on how to become more creative, become more open and accepting. So mm -hmm. definitely a good read. Definitely. I, you know, I recommend this to, I can't recommend it enough. I will mm -hmm. tell everybody I at least read that book. Alright, yeah. And culture and society and all of the kind of like soft hippie things that people gave up in to, to get like a more technologically advanced society, whatever. Like no. Yeah. We, we need to start appreciating art more. Not just looking at it and going, Oh, that's a nice color or whatever. Like not just looking mm. at painting, oh that's pretty colors. But yeah. actually understanding like the context or what the artist right. was going through, the mental process. Mm that was a reflection of society or what kind of statement it's trying to make like you know like that these kinds right. of things i think art i think art class and just and an english class and whatever it should teach us it should give us the tools to analyze artwork but right. it should leave out the teacher's voice as much as possible so you should exactly. like that english teacher should not or what you know um the poem was trying to say exactly you interpret it as you want and yeah, of course yeah. there's there's ways to interpret it incorrectly mm -hmm. but you know provided that you get the proper schooling and proper education that gives you all the tools for proper analysis right should be fine. but the interesting thing i'm going i'm going off on a tangent no here, problem. But yeah go the interesting thing is when you get to university mm -hmm. it's trying to teach students how to think and it's giving t students tools to think critically and act so after, but after years of being spoon-fed information, mm -hmm. after years of that kind of environment, I don't think students really understand that they're not comfortable with the unspinness of university, of, of university trying to teach you how to think. Because there is, there are no wrong answers when it comes to certain things like ethics or, or uh, politics or whatever. Right. It's all about perception. And when people say things like, oh, Jordan Peterson is so controversial and we need to ban him from ever speaking at the university ever again and ensure he never speaks out such misguided and, and controversial information, well, he's an academic. That's his job. He's what he's do, literally doing his job. You know, when you have to discuss difficult topics facing society and when you want to discuss difficult problems facing society and want to help solve them you're going to have to bring up controversial topics that not everybody wants to talk to talk about but the fact of the matter is is universities are the place to talk about these controversial ideas and uh, to learn how to properly de deconstruct them and think about them without you know having to get all offended and huffy and puffy and you know when jordan peterson and these kinds of controversial figures say these things they're perfectly fine with having students disagree with them they're perfectly fine and they understand that people will not always share the same viewpoints so 
they're okay with you coming up to them and asking them questions and deconstructing their message, provided you do it in a thoughtful and logical manner. But just, but just rashly rejecting their messages or not hearing what they have to say as a knee-jerk reaction because it simply doesn't align with your values or it doesn't align with what you were thinking before is that's just irrational that's not how the world works that's not how adults think and that's frankly self-destructive and humans are so complex and multifaceted that it is impossible and it is irrational to expect everyone to be able to agree with us and that's the whole point of politics and that's the whole point of debate and conversation and even journalism and that's why we communicate with each other because we understand that there are differences in opinion between people and through constructive conversation we come to terms and we mediate on a solution that both sides of the party can agree on and advance society forward because at the end of the day we're all humans we're all part of the same society and we all want the same thing which is to live a good happy and fulfilling life and it this isn't about us versus them. This isn't about a certain political party trumping the other. It's not about winning. It's about understanding the opponent's viewpoint and ensuring that everybody is happy. You know, I think the irony of human nature is that we realize we are wrong years after something had happened or something had been created. Like, let's think mm -hmm. Da Vinci for a second, you know. Paints the Mona Lisa, most well known for painting Mona Lisa. But dude, this guy was fucking smart, you know? Yeah. Um, science, music, mathematics, engineering, literature, anatomy, geology, astronomy, botany, paleontology, and cartography. Like, Everything. he did it all. But he was never accepted during his time for what mm -hmm. he did. Mm hmm. And I think that that's what's happening now, you know, these thoughts um, that are happening now aren't accepted. And eventually, when we reach the point of realizing that uh, the faulty of it, it becomes part of the education system and you have to relearn it again. Years, I think that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's the thing, right? People, it's back to the same topic. People don't like admitting their mistakes. Um, that's I think that's exactly what it is or not mistakes but they don't like seeing problems seeing the, the yeah, problems and they don't like admitting that something needs to change yeah um, you have a breaking down of culture essentially you have a breaking down of society you're forced to conform and be a part of a group a political group and just right, right. you know mindlessly accept every, all the information that that group has to give you. I don't know, but like I, th I guess the best thing we can do is just we just focus on ourselves. We just focus on growing, improving ourselves, and hopefully to the point where we can in, we can be in a position where we can you know affect positive change and, and change right. some of the some of the issues that we're seeing. So thank you for coming to another episode of Soju Thoughts. We understand that some of the content we discussed here today. Uh, may come off as controversial and offensive, but we just want to make it clear that that was not our intention. And these are just some things that we've been thinking about and mulling over during the quarantine, and we wanted to share them with you. And uh, once again, if you have any problems, any questions, feel free to reach out to us. And hopefully, you guys have a wonderful day. Yep, signing out.